Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. How many do you think made it? How many of us made it out alive? Not enough. What if it's just us? What if we're the only ones? Somebody's got to tell people what's happening back there. This week, the story is about Cassian's return to fugitivity. With the penultimate episode of season one, there's some table setting underway ahead of the finale, uh, but all of our main storylines are visited. Folks are starting to get emotional, a little bit on edge. Luthen features pretty heavily in one of the more Star Wars-y sequences of the series so far. Uh, Ross, is the prison arc of Andor a really tough act to follow? Hell yes, absolutely. Uh, the last episode um, was one of the most thematically impactful episodes of Star Wars TV ever. I think it was a, truly a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, episode. And the way that the show is going, it it, it goes in, in waves. It peaks and then it, it and then it troughs and, and crests and whatnot. Yeah, and so we're we're in the kind of that that build phase and so it is also expected that it's going to have kind of these crash down points and because then it allows it to build back up again uh but i haven't necessarily felt the highs as much as everybody else um but i did feel it on uh the last episode no way out i uh, think no way out. um one way out um that that was a just a, a master class and so this one going so far down in um plot and actual things happening uh it, it was a little kind of underwhelming but at the same time it do, it's a really good domino setup i will yeah, I thought not so too. argue that i think they're setting the table quite well uh it's 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 looking like it's going to be potentially a nice feast i didn't think that it was even among the episodes that i liked the least because we know i've been kind of a tough critic on this show i thought it was okay and maybe i'm still kind of riding some of my enthusiasm for part three of the the prison arc uh, and i understand that obviously like we need to set some things up it's just an interesting choice in a show that theoretically should build to a crescendo and I think will, because that's how its individual arcs have been structured. It's an interesting choice for it to dip so low in energy and plot here. Now, again, I don't think it was like a bad episode. Maybe I'm just still no. psyched about some of the characters. I feel like I've, I've taken the long, uh, the long road towards getting to know them. But it was an interesting choice to to slow things down to this level. Yeah, it, it goes again to what I felt... Um, around the first couple episodes in that I think a couple of weeks back, you felt like we could have cut out six or seven episodes. Well, not that many, but like four or five episodes. Yeah. Whereas I felt like we could cut out two. Uh, I now feel like we were maybe creeping to the point where it could have been a nine episode season. Right. Uh, not that this episode wasn't necessary. It just maybe could have been a little shorter and then merged with the next episode. Uh, whereas I would, even if it was an 80 minute finale, I'd be okay with that. I mean, maybe it's not possible because maybe it's already a 65 minute finale and they just couldn't find a way to make it work. And there is also a certain element of, it is a slow paced show overall. So you don't want to completely discount that by having um, just like a constant build because that would then kind of change the approach that they at least are, are, are going for or went for in the first season. Uh, and so I can kind of respect that. It's just, once again, it goes back to 
the same feeling I had where I just, I think the delivery is poor. I feel this episode maybe needed to come out with the other episode. If you're going to make them two episodes, right. they do that. A, a, TV's done that tons of times where they do a two part finale, which makes no sense, but aired them back to back on the same night. IE, why wasn't it just a one part finale? If that was the way you were going to deliver it to right. us. And then I kind of view the same thing here. Same with the first three episodes, you needed to give it them all to us. And that kind of feels the same at the end. I mean, if like Lost does a two-part season finale, for example, like in the in the case of network TV, it's just a programming uh, decision. So they need to block out two hours of programming. And so, but yeah, I mean, Star Wars historically, and it was the case with the start of this season, has aired a couple episodes at a time to kick things off. Why not to wrap things up as well? So um, this one starts off uh, with Cassian. And what's the other fellow's name? Uh, Melshi. So Cassian and Melshi are kind of washing up. We had mentioned in our last podcast that we don't really know, apart from Cassian and Melshi, who among the members of that prison break in fact made it. And presumably it's more than just the two of them. Although they themselves wonder that in this episode. Like, well, hang on. What if it is only us? And if it is, isn't it incumbent on us to do something with our new freedom? And so that comes back to... Cassian being this duty-bound person, he commits to the cause because as he sees it, if he doesn't, he can't fault the the rebellion for its inevitable failure. And so um, in that sense, it really felt like we were kicking off something exciting there. At that point, uh, Cassian and Melshi, uh, Melshi separate, we know not for the last time. Um, but they divide to go on uh, their own separate versions of essentially the same mission. Yeah, and I think this is going to be a nice example of probably uh, the alliance part of the Rebel Alliance being formed, uh, whereas Melshi probably goes off and joins the Rebellion, and Cassian will join the Rebellion through the the season finale, which is almost guaranteed that that will be his entry point, kind of the kickoff to his official rebel career. Yeah. Um, whereas Melshi's probably going to end up either as one of Saw's partisans uh, and defects over to the more reasonable side, or maybe he will find his way. Uh, like, but I think it's I, I think we'll find we'll meet up again with Melshi midway through season two. Uh, as the alliance starts to form and then Cassian kind of starts to to reconnect. And so we, we will be seeing him again. I'm almost positive of it, um, but it'll take a little uh, it'll take a little break. My guess is there'll be a few arcs in season two uh, before we we bring him back in with maybe a few other characters uh, who are part of kind of the, the Rogue One band of background characters. That would be cool if Melshi has gone out and recruited a bunch of them uh, like Bistan, the monkey guy who's the gunner. Yeah. Um, or uh, or pal the guy with the the like no eyes and a giant mouth um so like yeah i think that would be pretty cool uh and with that said i just described a bunch of downtrodden aliens and that's why this episode was a home run for feeling like star wars despite me not being thrilled with the pacing i think it was easily the most atmospherically star wars the entire series has been yes not even close right it was the most uh seeing the narkinians uh the way that they spoke uh it was like i think there was a little bit of an uh a dialect that they had and there was an also they spoke basic as well and so that was really cool they had no love for the empire a really cool design uh they had that weird 
netting that they used to catch. They had like a shitty old quad jumper. They kind of remind me of Unkar Plutt. And the last time we saw like a, a quad jumper featured primarily, uh, although might have won a Mando now that I'm thinking about it, but a quad jumper is what blows up in The Force Awakens. And uh, when the Ray and Finn are going to take that, uh, oh, yeah, okay. when they don't want to take the Falcon. Right. Um, what about that quad jumper? And it's just like, it blows up. We'll take the garbage. And then, <laughs> but it, it, it's just, it's it was, it felt, just back into star Wars. And you have these two guys who are uh, running away from a prison to, to kind of join the rebellion and they're coming across it, these aliens. And then we've bounced back into a spaceship uh, battle using, I think Ralph McQuarrie concept art. I can't remember. It is old concept. Cool. Art. Um, so the, uh, the Cantwell class, um, I forget what they're called. Um, I forget what they're called, but it's Cantwell class is the, is the Imperial ship that um, Luthen goes up against. Mm -hmm. And I think it was featured maybe once before in, can in, in Canon, but it's based off of one of the original designs for Star Destroyers. And so they just kind of redesigned it. And it's now in this instance, one that is uh, kind of like a, a, a tractor beam and, and radar uh, sort of tracking version of a Star Destroyer. So that was really cool. And of course made it feel all the more like Star Wars because it's using original design. Yeah, and I want to go back to the the Luthan thing shortly, but another thing mm. that felt very Star Warsy, although I'm not totally sold on it, but um, the death of of uh, Marva and specifically B2 Emo's reaction to it, and so like a droid having an emotional attachment to his master and like mm. kind of feeling without purpose beyond that feels very specifically star wars to me to like finally find a way to create some humanity in this droid because droids have been lacking in this series overall although this character has recurred um it was an interesting choice for them to kill marva off screen do we know exactly why she died or was it just like a like a stress heart attack or or something i think this might be uh it might be our second occurrence of, uh, or no, I guess Klee Lars dies off screen. And I think it's a, oh no, he succumbs to his, his, his attacks from the Tuscans. So I guess that wouldn't technically be old age, but I was basically going to say like, this is, I think just the second instance of just time getting somebody. I mean, we have Yoda obviously, um, but I don't think, but Star Wars, almost everybody has a dramatic death. And this is just kind of one where it probably passed away in her sleep by yeah. the sounds, but, or maybe had a heart attack. Um, but it, it doesn't really matter. It's meant to be that she um, was, she, she's a kind of this representation. And at the same time, Cassian uh, called to say like, Hey, you would have been proud of me because of this, this, this final little bit of hope that you found at the end of your life, I was able to honor that. Um, but she never got to know that uh, she just got to see him as like, Jesus, you created a lot of shit. You gotta leave, man. <laughs> no, I, I've also found this new mission too. So, but it really is a good structure for motivating Cassian, and we probably already predicted that she would die eventually. But um, on the one hand, he has to kind of avenge her because she worked for a cause as well. And in another, more traditionally Star Wars sense, there's nothing for me here now, and so we might as well like buy fully into what we were out here doing anyway, because it's not even like I have a home to go back to. Nice reference. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that is a great thing to draw upon. And uh, I mean, we also get that twin sons moment at the end of the episode with Cassian staring off into the sunset. 
uh, or sunrise. I don't know which one it was. When he says she would have been proud of me, like that was really like really affecting. She would have been proud of me. And like, oh. you, you know, through this conversation that he doesn't have a critical piece of information and he keeps saying like, stop using my name, stop using my name. And the other guy keeps using his name because it's the only way to get his attention to share this important but heartbreaking piece of information to Cass. Um, that was the best the best storytelling moment for me. Like the Luthen scene was like the mm. coolest to watch, but like for sure that was the best drama of the episode. And one of the better drama moments of the series for me was that phone call. Yeah, it was... It was a heartbreaker for sure. Yeah. And uh, it, it, overall, there were just a lot of those nice kind of consistent moments uh, that made this a very pleasant episode. And, and so I, I don't want it to come across as being overly critical um, because there was the tie-in to kind of the twin sons looking off, but also the end of Cassian's life where he looks off to the horizon right. um, and when he dies. And so the start of his rebel journey, the end of his rebel journey. Um, and it was... It, it was it was nice to see, and also when you had like Brasso with B two emo, um, that was uh, a a really kind of sweet moment with him, like agreeing to stay the night uh, in yeah. Marvazin because he doesn't want to leave, and he's so much like a just like a little puppy B two emo, and uh, he's a really great droid, and I think the only downside of B two emo is we just haven't had enough of him. No, exactly. He's been exceptional every time he's been on screen. He has been. Uh, an A quality Star Wars droid. Um, we just he he's what uh, Dio just isn't. Sure, uh, he, he, but they have that same charm. I just forgot about Dio. To be B2 honest, e exactly because yeah. B two emo is just more charming because as opposed to being cone face, he's red trash can, and it's yeah. just it's be it's better. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, but yeah, it was a very charming moment. Uh, Marva passing away will create a very interesting uh, kind of framework for the final episode. Of course, because of the funeral, it'll be on Ferrix, and all of the characters know Cassian's going there. Yeah. This is the big bait, and. He's probably going to go there. So everyone, all these storylines that have been all over the place. Um, that's why this episode also didn't have a lot of structure was because they needed to set them all up. And we got to see how many storylines there were and how they're all now pointing to Ferrix at once. And these people are going to have a showdown. Cinta is on Ferrix already. Um, mm -hmm. Vel is back on Coruscant and she has another cousin moment at Mon Mothma's uh, with her niece, I had heard that show creators have warned that some high drama is coming from Mon Mothma's character, that we don't know what it is, but like, hopefully people are ready because like, it's going to get pretty hardcore in the Mon Mothma storyline. And that lends itself a little bit to the prediction we made the other week about how this show might not be afraid to kill her daughter. Because they had a pretty sweet moment with her here where they kind of felt like they were getting through to the daughter. She's participating in the classroom thing. She has a nice hug with her Aunt Vel. And what, what you've got, you're cooking up some idea. Yeah, no, I don't like, I, I think the getting through, I, I think that was actually a show of defiance. Yeah in the sense that she's going along with old Chandrillian culture and basically is making Mon Mothma question, oh shit, if I told her about the offer I just got, mm. she'd accept it and marry this other 15-year-old son of a mobster. Right. She'd be up for it. Right. She likes this shit. Mm. Oh my God, what have I got? Like, So that's, I think, she's having one of those kind of crises. That's the way I interpret it. No, I, th I, think you, I think you are right about that. Um, it was, in fact, it was kind of eerie seeing her like partake in what almost felt like a, uh, 
I mean, it was ritualistic, but in almost kind of like a a monasterial way. It was something off about it. Um, but mm-hmm. yes, uh, going back to what I was saying is like I I, I think that the show probably is not afraid to kill off the daughter, um, and I don't think it matters what happens to Perrin and and what happens to Tay. Sure, yeah, they can kill him too or whatever. Maybe he just becomes like a, a big part of the Rebel Alliance as well. I think it's more uh, galvanizing for Mon if they go so far as to axe the daughter. Yeah, I, I think they, I, I don't think that's where they're going to go. But if they did, it would be such a gut punch. But when, when we said that they're going to go for some serious high drama, maybe that's kind of what they're doing. The, the show has made some squirves. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure who it would be. Would that be something that Luthen would do to try and like pull a string? Like Oman Mothma, she's not fully committed. Maybe I need to go and, and do this sort of ridiculous act. And maybe Vel finds out and that creates a whole other plot line or something uh, where Luthen is shifted sides um, in, in the audience's mindset because he's going after somebody who's seemingly innocent, but to a guy like Luthen wouldn't be so much. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he doesn't seem to have really boundaries on things like that. So killing a child, he might be up for that if it meant that Mon Mothma became more invested in the cause and willing to go the extra mile. And so if I actually, if someone's killing her, that's who I'm betting it on. It's probably going to be an inside job uh, as opposed to anything Imperial. Really just one scene with Cyril, although it's a good scene. And he, it's some of his better acting. And he's kind of one of the ones who gets the initial transmissions of where we're going to be able to track down Andor. Um, and so I'm really interested to see, because talk about a slow burn, like this is an interesting character. He gets more interesting with every episode, even the episodes that I don't, that I don't care for. And so I, I really hope there's a payoff for this character in the se- season finale, because it seems like they could do something brand new with him. I just don't know what that's going to be. So that's interesting. I think the payoff for him is going to come down to, and he could... He could get shot. Someone I heard a podcast. Somebody mentioned this that in the end he could present his grand find and solution and be in thinking he's going to be the hero of the empire. And Dedrick could shoot him in the head and take all the credit. Yeah, uh, and and that's certainly something that could absolutely happen and would be kind of a make Cyril a, a tale of caution, sort of. Uh, but he's the only one who can identify Axis. Uh, by his, he remembers his voice hmm. uh, and so that I think is going to come back they brought it up a, cu- a couple times uh, three is a big was a big big arc it was the only time they really crossed paths he's able to identify Cassian um, but Axis he knows the voice of uh, I, I think that's going to come back into play in some capacity and then of course that increases his value to the Empire Dedra is going to be on Ferrix and so what's her role going to be uh, will any higher up Imperials be playing a role or is Dedra going to be the main antagonist of this arc so a lot of those things are, are still kind of up in the air which is interesting uh, and then it's a matter of is this the end of the road for Cyril uh, is this his entry point into the empire uh, or is this his kind of path down a, a, his entry point to a different path uh, that we have no idea of what it could be I really hope it's not the end of the road for Cyril because I've only grown to mm. find him more and more interesting um, if you were to make a prediction of a Star Wars character we haven't yet seen in this series to appear as kind of like an exciting arrival in the season finale who would you put your money on Bail Organa. Yeah. Easy. Um, that's, it's, I, I'm trying to think of, because that, that was so easy that I'm trying to think of a backup now. Uh, right. Because I think it, he's a slam dunk to be in the show no matter what. 
It's just a matter of, will it be this season? I kind of thought it would have been by now. And so he's really the only one who I was expecting to see by now uh, that we haven't. But Palpatine's on the table. Is Tarkin's Tarkin's on the the table? table? That would be cool. Oh, yeah. Krennic's on the table. Um, I, I think those are all very possible and people i expect to see in the series but i was more expecting to see in season two than maybe i like or i didn't put maybe as high on the scale as bail organa for likelihood of seeing i really couldn't expect anyone beyond that though Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe a like an easter egg imperial somebody that we like like the hardcore fans recognize uh but would just be seen as another fat cat um to anybody else uh they could do something maybe subtle like that but even on like ferrix is an obscure planet so there shouldn't be anybody who pops up there that we don't know either and i think it's probably mostly going to take place there uh so it would have to be with the mon mothma cross and so that's why bale is, is most likely so we did get a return of saw we weren't sure if we were going to see him mm. again a little bit more butting mm-hmm. heads there um, and then there's not actually that much to say about Luthen's uh, standoff in space. He pulls some really good like theater. Oh, I, you know, I'm just a one man operation. I'm just like an innocent pilot. There's pirates out here. Hey, thanks for the warning. I'll look out. Um, and uh, have we ever seen somebody resist a tractor beam to this extent before? It's pretty cool. Not to this, not to this extent, and especially not with such creativity. Yeah, uh, using like uh, the Obi Wan trick of uh, just like kind of emptying the the canisters and or in this instance it was clearly a weapon and not just uh thinking on his feet and just uh, shreds just, the just cannons sh- it was awesome yeah it was so smart it yeah. was like you really thought of everything dude the, like the, <laughs> the his ship's called the the fondor i believe it is one of the best ships in star wars already yeah uh it is easily one of the best uh single man ships uh people loved the razor crest this st- dumps the razor crest into the ground right this is a way cooler ship in every capacity uh really disappointing that they gave us those uh lightsaber guns uh in the trailer because they're just so damn cool and we only get to see them the once right. they should have just saved it for the show uh but i get why they did it because it's a pretty it's pretty damn cool and made the trailers look pretty awesome because uh, that is one of the the cooler new space weapons I've ever seen. Definitely so. What else do you want to say about this episode? It's, like we kind of joked b- before we started recording that this might be our shortest podcast ever. And it might indeed. There's not that much to say about the the plot mechanics of this episode. Although they don't have to worry about that BS when they kick off the season finale. They can just hit the ground mm. running, which is good. Yeah, they've they've set everything up so that it will be a very high paced season finale, and they've had a lot of high paced episodes that are preceded by um, really kind of set up episodes, and so they were at least they they weren't pulling a fast one on us with this episode being different from the rest. Uh, one thing I will want to talk about, and it's I'm not the first one to bring it up, but I think it really stood out today. Uh, was the theory that Luthen might be a, a, a Jedi Padawan or a Jedi. Oh, wow. Um, I guess probably not a Padawan based on his age because he would have been around 30 um, or 35 or whatnot. Um, Luthen is 35 in this show? No, no, no. I'm just I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think whatever his age is plus 15 years. So oh. maybe even more than that. He probably okay. would have been 40 yeah. or 45. Um, so, yeah, he would have been a, he would have been a Jedi. Um, but his cane 
his uh, retractable cane got such a close up in yeah. this episode. Yeah. And the man has a Kyber crystal and his ship is clearly powered by Kyber and he's extremely secretive. And what has he sacrificed? Everything. <laughs> how long has he been Everything. plotting against? How long? But how long has he been plotting against the Empire? Since like for 15 years. So since Order 66, yeah. the man has been since the start of the Imperial reign focused on taking them down and it has morally bankrupt him if he started out as a jedi the highest of morality in the like or what is supposed to be the highest morality and he has lost everything he just becomes he, he foregoes everything to do with the force but just becomes this corrupt uh kind of vessel or even if he was a, an outcasted padawan who left the jedi order or um pieced out or failed out before order 66 but mm. still felt like he lost everything because of being hunted but there's more to tell there yep. the man had like had that kyber crystal for a reason and when they gave that like i i didn't i thought it was a silly theory until they did the close-up on that cane and it's being retractable enough that it's the exact same size as the lightsaber hilt it was it just seemed too on the nose and it also gave us the lightsaber guns in this episode on his ship it just felt like they were they were laying the right level of hints after uh being really subtle about it they've been uh, it, it seems to be a little bit more possible and i'm not again i'd be i'd be here for it that would be interesting i'm not against it either except to say that this show has seemed through 11 episodes to be very decidedly force absent on purpose and i think that's the thing that a lot of people are celebrating about the show obviously it's probably contributing to my finding it a little bit off star wars um mm -hmm. But I would wonder what the audience would receive if they decided to pull out of their back pocket the magic trick of, oh, by the way, he was a Jedi all along. Um, I wonder if that would be met with some resistance for folks who are, are hoping that Star Wars doesn't always have to use that. Of course it would be. Yeah. And I don't give a shit. No, sure. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But of, of course it would be. People would have a problem with Star Wars being Star Wars. That's the problem. <laughs> that I don't understand. Yeah. Like, there are a lot of other dour shows out there. Um, and also, I think this actually hammers home his, the dour point more by making his fall from, from grace even fall even further. It's, yeah. it's even more uh, impactful. Uh, and overall, I, I, I'm actually getting kind of on board with the idea of linking it there. And something that people generally go to is, I mean, oh, Tony Gilroy wasn't a Star Wars fan. And Tony Gilroy is like got a clear vision for all these things. And it just doesn't feel like Tony Gilroy. That's everybody's defense on the Internet. Um, yes, Tony Gilroy has a clear vision on what he likes in Star Wars. But he also like he's responsible for what we got in Rogue One, which means he's responsible for the Vader March. Mm -hmm which means he also kept Chirrut in the movie uh, to the fullest extent. And also the fact that the force is mentioned constantly throughout that film. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Generoso's mom was a force user. They cut that purely because they didn't want people to then think that Ray was a descendant of the Ursos though. And so that I don't think was a Tony Gilroy cut. I think that was a fans are annoying and it doesn't Fair add enough, enough value. Yeah. Let's just cut that. And I agree. I think that actually makes a ton of sense, but overall, I think people have now convinced themselves more than is accurate that Tony Gilroy hates Star Wars hates the and force. would never put a force yeah. user in there because it would be like antithetical to his new space world. Mm. Whereas we saw in this episode more so than ever, 
that's not the case. I was actually thinking about the Force as it's known more broadly within the the greater galaxy just the other day. Um, because I don't really have a good sense of like whether or not the Force is a thing that's understood or discussed outside of, say, the Jedi Order. Um, but I'm thinking in particular of like that final uh, uh, regroup before... Uh, the Red Leader mission in A New Hope when they wish all of them uh, may the force be with you. Is that just an expression that's the parlance of of the Jedi or, or, or the galaxy rather? Because like on the other hand, Luke has never heard of the force. He needs Ben Kenobi to explain it to him from the ground up. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a fantastic question, and the only reason I know the answer to this is because of the extensive other, like the novels, for example, do a really good job of building out this uh, the un, the galaxy's understanding of things because it's too expository to describe that in like television or in right. a movie. You need to be able to write a paragraph about this little rant about the galaxy views, blah 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 blah. And so <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Overall, the force it, that would be like saying. Um, May God have mercy on your souls, or right. and Godspeed. Good luck. Uh, they even say Godspeed rebels in uh, in the Last Jedi. Right. Uh, but it's it would be more. Um, May the odds ever be in your favor. Yeah, it's it's more of a a, a spiritual uh, connection that people view uh, just as the overall well kind of religion it's the substitute for religion mm -hmm. in in the star wars galaxy and it's viewed in many different ways the same way religion is so it's not called the force by everyone in the galaxy it's sometimes oh man there are so many names for it it's called ashla uh it's called uh if you're a if you're a chiss and you use the force generally you will age out of using the force by the time you're a preteen uh, and only women have the force. So young girls, and they, they use them as navigators, uh, and they call them skywalkers. Oh, so right. that's kind of an, a, an interesting little tidbit. Uh, I'm blanking on the probably dozen other canonical names for the force. I think there's like the way and other things like, well, actually, probably not the way that's pretty too. This is the way. Um, but there's other ones like that, uh, that just are different cultures view on the force and they would believe different things in the same way that Luke Skywalker becomes a different biblical verse trans. Like he's uh, Jesus, but if Jesus was believed in by a different race and Jesus did different things by them, or so I guess God would be the better example and uh, how God's a pretty consistent term across the board. Um, but God didn't do everything in seven days for every single religion. Right. And it's so just the force would kind of be varies that culturally. Way. I see. Yeah. And the Jedi are just the random ones that have been able to, I, I guess, be angels on earth, sort right. of. Um, and that's why people don't even believe in them in a lot of cases, because there's only a couple, like, I, th I think. 10,000 was the number that was around in the galaxy at this point. And if there's trillions of people in the galaxy, that's such a small percentage. And if they're also only working on core Republic worlds, then maybe a 30% of the galaxy believes in that they exist. Another 30% thinks there's a chance they could exist. And then there's another 40% that has never even heard the term Jedi. Right. <laughs> maybe. Right. right. That's what I figured. Okay, that's a very good answer. Um, why is this episode called The Daughter of Ferex? Who's the daughter of Ferex? Marva. Okay. So it was very briefly mentioned in one of the episodes previous. Um, 
I don't remember which episode it was the last time I think we were we saw Brasso just chatting with Bix. Uh, and uh, they mentioned that Marva was mem- was one of the daughters of Ferex. Mm. So I think that is probably like a like a Knights of Columbus sort of thing. Okay. Uh, or uh, uh, like the Freemasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just for Ferex and it's to show that she is uh, a staple mm-hmm. of the community. I think that's all it's trying to illustrate and that this is An a elder. big deal. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big deal to them. Uh, and that Ferex is a community. It's still, it's not a really good job of building uh, the sense of community, maybe more so than anything Star Wars has ever done in terms of uh, pound like, like Moss Eisley is like uh, just this little, almost like a, a, a street or a small district uh and then it's this kind of scattered region and then same with like Mon- mas espa it's, it's very broad and, and sprawling and coruscant is these big districts whereas this is just a, a small little community we, to, we don't have a ton of that in star wars no and especially lately where they just seem willing to create a new planet at every turn just so they can like mm-hmm. put a scene there and so it's nice for them to get a little bit micro with the detailing of a new planet so that it feels a little bit more lived in uh, anything else yeah. you want to say about this episode before we uh, leave it for the for the week? Uh, I don't think so. The Mon Mothma stuff was short, but I'm interested to see it set up pretty well for next time. Um, uh, it was good. It was cool to see Cassian break into his old hotel room and get his money oh, yeah. back. That was <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, one thing that's interesting though is also uh, is Vel gonna steal. Uh, or like some money from Luthen to p- pay Mon Mothma's debts, or mm-hmm. is like maybe her portion over four hundred thousand dollars because Cassian got freaking two hundred thousand and he was just Cassian, so maybe her portion's four hundred grand and she can pay off these goddamn debts anyway. She's important enough, and he stole eighty million credits. Well, yes, and do I understand correctly that she's clearly like having an awful lot of guilt because she cares about her cousin who is appalled by what happened on Aldani, but also she was instrumental in what happened in Aldani. Like when it was brought up when she was meeting with Mon, she had this kind of look of shame on her face. I think she just has a general. I think she's ashamed to be working with Luthen at yeah. this point. I think she's more so just realizing, no, this is Mon, Mon Mon's doing it right. Mm-hmm. She she feels she feels the weight of all of her decisions. Luthen won't even literally won't give me the time of day. I have to deal with fucking Clea, who I hate, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> is there anything in Star Wars news that we should touch on? Uh, I don't think so. We uh, okay. had a lot of things to talk about uh, last time, uh, just in terms of... Uh, all of the the announcements and and projects uh, that were cycling in and out. So uh, I think everything is just gearing up for a, a big old finale. We didn't talk about the Saturn Awards, which uh, Star Wars cleaned up at, which which is kind of cool. That was a little while ago, but uh, just give them a shout out there. Nice to still win an award or two. And then there was also uh, a short uh, with called Grogu and the Dust Bunnies. Oh yeah, I want to see studio, that. Uh, yeah, Studio Ghibli. I think it's pretty short, uh, and so there's a that is Studio Ghibli's got or Ghibli. I don't really know the pronunciation. Ghibli, usually, a lot of yeah, yeah, huge fan base, and so a lot of people, uh, big crossover fans, and we're just excited to see this. And it was announced like the day before it came out, so that's kind of a cool thing. It'll be apparently it's very zen. Uh, that's the way it's described. They have beautiful so art. They they made like Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke, and and yeah, they they. They're kind of the highest level of, I think you can say anime, although I know it's very particular, like what the different brands of that kind of animation are. So I don't want to get it wrong, but it's mm. it's quite a respected uh, studio. Uh, we want you to join us for the finale of Andor. We're going to talk about that next week on the podcast. In the meantime, if you have predictions or thoughts, email recorder66podcast at gmail.com or tweet 
at Recorder66. Rate and review on your preferred podcast app, or if you're with us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. And until we are together again, may the force be with you.